Hey guys, welcome uh, to Grace. We're so glad that you guys are here. Uh, today we gather uh, just like Christians and churches all over the world during the season to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world and when he came into the world, he came to change and transform the human heart. He did so because he knew that we were broken. He knew that we were sinful. He knew that we were separated from him and his desire was to bring wholeness, wellness and restoration to us. So I wanna tell you a story that Jesus told people 2000 years ago. It's found in the book of Luke chapter 15. And it starts with this wealthy landowner. And this owner has two sons. And one son is a dutiful son. He's pretty much done everything that his father's ever asked him to do. He's responsible. He shows up at the right times. He does his work. He's a good son for the most part. If we were to look at the story, we'd call him the good son. And then there's this other son who we don't really know a whole lot about his character or his nature, except for the fact that we see this one thing that he does that is extraordinarily um, rude, um, hurtful, and destructive. One day he comes to his father and he says, Father, I know that one day when you die, I'm going to get some resources. But I don't want to wait till that day that you die. I just want them right now. Like if you just give them to me right now, I'm going to leave. You're not going to see me again. And I think for some of us immediately, we would look at this just like people in the first century and go, what? I mean, that's that's incredible. What son would do that to his father, right? And so at that moment also, I think some of us would think to ourselves, well, the father has all the right in this moment to get really angry and to get really loud and just say, well, I can't believe you would do that. What's wrong with you? That you're ungrateful. Look at all the things I've done for you. Why would you come at me like that, right? That's kind of how many of us would think the story goes, but that's not how it goes. The story actually unfolds that instead of getting angry, the father says, yes, you can have your inheritance. And he gives it to his son and his son leaves the country. And he shows up in another country and he starts spending all of his money, right? He's got a vast estate, so the son has a lot. And so for a season, everything's going right for him. Everything seems fine. He's doing every, spending his money in exactly the way that he wants to satisfy himself because the son, when he left the father, and didn't even know this, I don't think, but when the son left the father, he was looking for something and that was to be made whole or to be happy in some way that he wasn't at home. <clears throat> and so he leaves and he finds himself spending and spending and spending until one day he runs out of money. And at the same time, there is a famine that takes place in the nation. And so he finds himself really stuck in a very improbable place. He's gone from being the son of a wealthy landowner to now being someone who has to hire himself out as a servant, even a slave, to someone else. And that master basically says, all right, now what I want to do is I want to put you in, uh, in the pig pen. I want to put you with the pigs feeding the pigs. And he says, well, I need to eat, so I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And he goes there. Now, what you need to know is that if you're a first century Jew, just like a Muslim today, you would look at an animal like a pig and you would consider it completely filthy and disgusting. And so while barbecue is extraordinarily good, you would have none of it. Why? Because it's an unclean animal. And so when the listeners of the story heard that this guy had fallen from the sun position down to somebody who's wanting and longing to eat the food that the pigs are eating, even being around a pig is disgusting, they feel sorry for him. And in the story, he begins to feel sorry for himself. In fact, the story says that he comes to his senses. And as we pick up the story on the screen, (coughs) he is coming to his senses. Verse 17, when the son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Like this isn't where I wanna be. And so what we find at the very beginning of the story here 
is that the son has arrived, even though he's trying to do something to make himself whole, happy, he's making a series of choices that land him in a place he did not expect. And I think that's not just a story 2,000 years ago. That is the human condition. We've all made decisions. And some of us have even experienced the, the, the result of other people's decisions in our life that led us to places we didn't want to be. We were walking down a path where thinking everything's great, everything's great. And all of a sudden we realized, man, all of these decisions that I've made up until this point have led me to a bad place. And I find myself being filled with regret. So he comes to his senses. So what happens when he comes to his senses? He says in verse 18, I will set out and I will go back to my father. And I'll say to him, so what he does right here is he begins to rehearse a script. He begins to basically say, this is what I'm gonna say to him. Why? Because one thing he realizes right now is that there's no way he can just go right back to his father. Why? Well, because of how rude, insensitive, and terrible he was to his father. He doesn't believe that if he returned, his father would be glad to see him. We see this because he says, I'll go back out, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) I'll set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, and here's the script. I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. You see, when he broke fellowship with his father, in the breaking of that fellowship, he didn't just break the relationship with him and the father, he broke himself as well. You see, prior to this, he saw himself clearly, which was he was a son who was loved by a wealthy landowner, a father who loved him well. And as he leaves, he no longer is the son who is loved. He takes on a completely different identity. And that is maybe, maybe when I return, he'll hire me out like a servant. So he was willing to say, I'll go back. Why? Because that's where dad is. And he has everything that I need. But obviously I'm not gonna be welcome back because of what I did to him. And I think if we were judging the story, we would go, yeah, that's the arc of the story. I mean, that's how it should go. He should go and his dad would be like, what's wrong with you? You're back all of a sudden? You made all these unwise decisions? You like disrespected me and now you want me to be in relationship with you again? Come on, man, that's absolutely ridiculous. And he's thinking the same thing because now in his mind, things have shifted. Remember, he's talking to himself here, no one else. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. So he's fallen from the status of son to now the status of slave or servant. I think for some of us, it's exactly the story, the arc of our story as well. We walk and we walk and we walk and we make choices that we think and we can't see the future. So we're making decisions the best that we possibly can, but we're making decisions as we look to the future that we think are gonna be helpful, wonderful, great. Certain relationships we get in, choices we make for careers, all kinds of things. And then we arrive at a certain place and we go, man, this is not where I wanted to be. This is not what I expected my life to be. This is not how things were supposed to unfold. And in that moment, we might think to ourselves, well, this is the reason and that's the reason. He comes to one conclusion here, and that is, I'm no longer worthy. I don't have value anymore. And there are people in the room that have that exact same experience. You made some choices. You arrived at some places you didn't want to arrive at. And now you're in a place where you feel stuck because you don't feel valuable anymore. You don't feel worthy anymore. I know some of you have been out of the church for a long time because you're thinking to yourself right now, Pastor Mike, this is all fine and nice, but you don't really know what I'm doing. So how can you say it's gonna be okay? I'm not valuable, I'm not worthy because I've done this, this, and this. And I don't know your stories, but I know my stories. I know the wickedness that was in my heart, not just my heart, but in my deeds. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up with a Christian family. I made decisions for me. 
I made decisions that I thought would make me happy and they ended up destroying my life. And then it was regular people like you that reached out to someone like me and said, hey, listen, the life that you're living right now, it's way below the life that God wants for you. It's the first time anyone ever said anything like that to me in my whole life. It's the first time anyone ever came and said, hey, listen, there is more for you. The story continues. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants, verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. He goes back to him. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion with him and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. You see, what happened here in his mind is the same thing that happens in many of our minds. And that is this. You see, he broke relationship with his father, but his father never broke relationship with him. He thought all of these bad things about his father, he'll never accept me back. The best that I can hope for is to be a slave. And his father's in the background going, hey man, I'm just waiting for you to come home. Daughter, I'm just waiting for you to come home. And I've always pictured this scene in my head in North Carolina at my mountain house that I don't have. (laughs) And it's dad sitting on the porch. And because dad's heart never changed, son's heart changed, daughter's heart changed, he's waiting for them to come back. And day after day, comes up, comes down, son comes up, comes down. And one day, in the story here, the father's sitting on the porch. And he sees his son come right over the hill. He looks for a minute, he squints, he sees him. He goes, that's my boy. And then something that would have been just completely undignified in fact, not only undignified, but completely ridiculous happens next. The Bible says that he ran to him. Well, just like in the Middle East today, men, ancient men like these, would have these very long robes that were. And so here, this man would have to hike up his robe and go running across the deal to get to him. And no Jewish man ran like that at all, period. And they certainly didn't show their legs. And there is this ridiculous person running towards his son. Why? Well, because he's been waiting his whole life. He's been waiting every day that he's been gone. He's been waiting for his son to come back. His father saw him. He was filled with compassion. This is not the, ex- the expectation that the son had. He didn't expect to get compassion. He expected judgment and condemnation. He expected somebody to go, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Because you've done wrong, you're going to get wrong. But that's not what happens in the story. His father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. <coughs> he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him, and he welcomes him back. It is an amazing moment. But the son still doesn't get it. He's being hugged by his father, but he's thinking to himself probably, you know what? There's got to be a hitch because there would be for most of us. We'd go back to dad and dad'd be like, here's five lessons of why you're dumb. Here's four lessons of why you were, you were immature. Here's three lessons of what, how immoral you were. And instead of all of that, he just hugs him. He brings him close and he says, welcome back. But the son in verse 20 or in verse 21, he says this, the son said to him, father, rehearsed script. I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. No longer worthy to be called your son. And then it's really interesting. There's no break here between verses 21 and 22. In fact, the father doesn't even acknowledge what the son says to him. Why? Because I think it's the very same reason why um, many of us find it hard to go to God. Like for me, it wasn't hard for me to go to Jesus. It really wasn't because my whole life was a wreck. And I saw my life as a wreck. And one of the hardest things to take your first step toward Jesus, if you're like me and you didn't grow up in a Christian family or a background like that, one of the hardest things is getting over yourself. The second son in the story is also part of the story. 
And he hears about all of this that's taken place. The son's back. My son who's dead is now alive. He's back home. What was lost is now found. And he comes out and he says, what's going on? And their answer to that question was, hey, your brother's back. And he gets so mad. He won't go in at all. He won't, he won't even take the next step. Why? Because he's frustrated. Because as I said at the very beginning of the story, he's the good boy. He's done it all right. At least it appears like on the outside. And so he's frustrated that his father is doing great things and nice things because of this son. And we'll t- show you the things in just a second. But the other brother, he's frustrated and mad. Why? Because I deserve better. There's a concept. You see it on Instagram all the time. And uh, you see it on Christian Instagrams, non-Christian Instagrams, everything. But it's a phrase. And the phrase is, um, I am enough. You see it everywhere. And I understand the sentiment behind it. But the idea that I am enough is the one thing that will keep you from God. Why? Well, because if I'm enough, if I'm okay as I am, if I don't need you and you don't need me and we don't need each other and I don't need them and I don't need him because I'm already fine, I'm enough. We find ourselves completely stuck. That is the thing that sounds beautiful and then captivates you in a prison. I would say that what happens next here is one of the most beautiful things we see in the scriptures. So he's already done the whole script. He says, Father, I've sinned against you, heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But here's what happens. The father doesn't listen to him. You know why? The father's not interested in your reasons and rationales of why you left or why you want to come back. He just wants your heart. He just wants your heart. He just wants you to come back and say, God, I want to be back with you. I want to love you. Or like in my case, I want to know you. I've never known you before. I want to understand you. He doesn't pay attention to these words because they're rehearsed words. Here's what he does instead, verse 22. But the father said to the servants, quick, pay attention, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put it on his finger and put sandals on his feet. So don't just get a robe, get my robe, get the best robe. Take this best robe and give it to my son. Why? You know why? Because servants don't wear robes like that because they don't have rings on their finger and they don't have sandals on their feet. They work in the fields as a servant or a slave. And the son comes back with a slave mentality thinking this is all that I'm valuable for because I have no worth anymore. I've screwed up my life. There's nothing valuable here. The father looks at him and says, no, no, no. There's immense value to you. You know why? Because you're my son. And I would say the same thing to you today that whether you struggle, whatever you're struggling with, your history, your background, where you've arrived, the, 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 the bad choices you've made, the bad choices others have made, you are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the most high God. And because of that, you you and I have a choice and that choice is not to live beneath what God sees us as and stop believing that we're just worthless. He says, listen, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. This is like super wealthy thing. Bring the fatted calf. We're gonna kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. Why? Because my son who was lost, has been found. He was once dead, and he is now alive. So I have this uh, annual trip that I go on. Uh, My wife and I do it. Uh, It's to the uh, Ritz-Carlton, the Marriott Grand Lakes, down here in Orlando. And we go every year. We use points for that. And I have to tell you that because some of you are judgy. (laughs) And uh, so... We go in 29 years, 29 years in December here. 
It's cool. Six of you are for marriage. Awesome. Um, it's awesome. And uh, so, so we're going, we're kind of hanging out. We're just having a great time. We do it every year, a couple nights. And it's a great time of us just reconnecting. <coughs> well, I'm in, a, I'm in an elevator. And this other guy gets in the elevator at the same time, big guy, gets in the elevator with me. And we just kind of look at each other like, sup. And, uh, and uh, we don't really say anything. As the doors are closing, lady grabs the elevator and just kind of pulls the doors open. And she's a nurse. She's not dressed like a nurse, but she's, you can tell, she's, she's ushering this guy, this, this really old guy into the elevator. I mean, he's moving real slow, super old, like 55 at least. <laughs> and uh, he's probably in his 90s. And he kind of comes in and he turns around. He looks, he's, he's moving pretty well for a guy who's in his 90s. But you could tell she was his nurse maid. And, uh, and he turns to us and he goes, boys, what are you doing here at the Ritz? And uh, I was like, well, we don't know each other, but I'm here celebrating my anniversary with my wife. And he said, he said that's fantastic. I said, yeah. And uh, the other guy said something, I don't remember. Um, two floors go up and he gets off. And as he gets off, he turns back around, the lady holds the door for him. And he just does this. He says, hey, he puts his hands out like this. He says, I pray that the Lord blesses both of you all the days of your life. I don't know if this guy's a Christian or religious at all, but I'm like, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. Jesus." And I don't know if it was. I mean, Jesus can hang out at the Ritz too. Like it's possible. Who knows? And then like, just as the doors were closing, he just disappeared. No, he didn't do that. Um, It's not not true. So, but there was this moment like where both of us just had this powerful experience with this guy. Pray that the Lord blesses your lives for every day of your life, for the rest of your life. And, and, and I turn to this guy and we just kind of look at each other and I go, I go, wow. And he goes, right? And, and, and then we're both like looking at each other again. We're teary-eyed. And then these two burly men are just looking at each other, teary-eyed. And I was like, so you think the Packers are gonna have a good year? <laughs> I'm just like, I, I have no idea what to say next. It was the most awkward, weird, strange thing. But wh- why do you think it hit so hard? Why do you think it hit so hard? You know what I think it is? I don't know him. He doesn't know me. We both ended up in tears because this guy, why? I think it's because this is the human condition. I think everyone needs a father who tells them it's gonna be okay. It's all gonna be all right. It's gonna work out. And I started thinking about that guy later on and I'm like, this is not a normal thing to do. I love Jesus with all my heart. I've not done this ever. I might when I get older, but I thought, here's a guy who has spent his entire life probably with the Lord. You don't just wake up at 90-something years old and say, may the Lord, no. This is a guy who's walked with Jesus. He's had a father like that. And I started thinking about that. What would it be like to have a father who spoke those kind words and beautiful things into your life. And the Lord was like, you do. You have a father like that. That's your father in heaven. And that's exactly the story that Jesus is trying to tell today. That there's a father in heaven who, no matter what has happened in your life, will hike up his dress and run ridiculously for you. There's this moment on the cross where Jesus is hanging and there are people kind of mocking him and, and it's just, it's terrible. But there is this Roman sign above the head of Jesus and it says, Jesus, 
king of the Jews. It's a mockery. And what Rome was saying to, to, to all the Jews was he was saying, they were saying, you're, you're Jesus, you're, you're, you're king? He's hanging on a cross. You know how many Caesars hung on a cross? Not one. He's hanging on a cross between two thieves. There are three reasons why you are crucified in Rome. It is for murder, it's for theft, and it's for sedition against the state, against the name of Caesar. And there's Jesus, the sinless lamb of God. And he hangs foolishly and weirdly and strangely, embarrassingly, he hangs there. He's God in the flesh and he doesn't come off. He just surrenders because God would do everything, everything, make himself look foolish, make himself look silly. He'd hike up his, his, his robe and he'd run for you. And that's exactly what he did. I want 2023 to be a year where we take a moment and spiritually, especially if you've never taken that first step toward Jesus, to say, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. This is the year that I'm gonna get my relationship with God right because I know what you're talking about, Mike. I've done it. I have to 100%. I've explained this before, but I've done many of these same things. We have done the things that we thought would make us happy. They led to desolation and they've led to the pig pen. And now we come into our senses and we turn back around like 2023, is the opportunity for us to just to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm gonna choose Jesus and I'm gonna walk with him from this time forward. I'm not looking for us to like make a commitment out of emotion right now. When I made that commitment to Jesus, it was filled with emotion. It was filled with a heart that was like longing for something. And when I did it, it has echoed through generations now. And my grandkids will know Jesus because of a decision in the line in the sand that I made. The calendar's about to flip. And you got all kinds of things that you can do. You can, say, like, you can do the same thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose weight. I'm gonna get in the gym. I'm gonna do all that. You won't. You're still gonna be fat. Right, just gonna happen. Instead, what we're gonna do is just like say, I wanna choose Jesus. And I'm gonna trust that my father sent him into the world for my good because my father has good for me. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do that just to respond to that. So in a minute, I'm gonna ask you all just to put your heads down, not to do anything weird for privacy sake, because this is between you and me and God. And I'm just gonna walk across, starting over here across, and I'm just gonna say, hey, if you're ready to take your first step toward Jesus, if you're ready to say, yeah, I want a life where there is a father who will never leave me and never forsake me, who will walk with me no matter what. When I blow it, when I screw up, when I mess up, he's still there. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Every other relationship in our life has boundaries. The Lord and his mercies are new every morning because we need them to be. I'm simply gonna ask you, are you ready to take that first step toward Christ? To say, yeah, I'm all in. And for some of you, you're like, and, and we've, we talk about this around this church a lot. And you can ask anybody that attends here on a regular basis. I know some of you are like messing with your faith right now. You're trying to deconstruct it. You're like trying to rethink it. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I love that. Because I believe that the more you really look, not at the Jesus of your office or the Jesus of Twitter or the Jesus of whatever, but when you look at the Jesus of the Bible, he stands up to that. And the more you get to know him, the more he will change your life. And the more you'll realize the father's heart for you. So ask questions, jump in, be a part of what we're doing, but choose today to say, I'm making a decision, drawing a line in the sand. From this day forward, I'm never gonna do it perfectly, but I'm gonna walk with Jesus. So we're gonna start over here. Just everybody bow your heads.
I'm just gonna ask you to look up at me and say, yeah, Mike, that's, that's, don't say anything, just, just me. Just look up at me and I'll know to count you, to say, you're in. If you're over here right now and you're ready to stop living beneath what God thinks about you, and you're ready to take that step toward him, especially that first step toward him, just right now, go ahead and look up and I'll acknowledge you. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Awesome, brother. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. All right, over here on the left side, the middle. Let's go ahead and look up right now. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, man. Love that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. In the back. Yes, ma'am. In the back. Okay, over here on the right side in the middle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, far right over here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Yeah, sir. Yes. Yes, behind you. Yes. Yes, in the back. Two. Let me pray for you. If you just uh, looked up to me, looked up at me, I want you to pray this along with me. Father, I know that I've sinned and I know that I have walked away from you. I left the one person who loves me the most. I tried to make my own way, do my own thing. And it's led me to places I don't wanna be. As forgiveness, and I wanna move on from this, Lord. Thank you that you are not like a broken father who will then begin lecturing me and being angry at me and holding me to task. But instead, you are the person Jesus describes in the story. You come running to me, you wrap your arms around me, <laughs> and you rejoice because you've had compassion upon us. I know I'm never gonna do this perfectly but I will choose you all the days of my life. Amen. Listen, a few things. This book right here, it's called How to Follow Jesus, A Practical Guide to Growing Your Faith. It's free. You can find it out there in the lobby. Some people up here will have it as well. It's just designed for you to be able to take your next step toward Christ. Just a little bit more information because we wanna equip you to be able to take your next step. I don't want you waking up Monday morning going, now what, this is what. Okay, you can take this next step. I wanna encourage you to do that. Also, if you're here today and you are um, from out of town and you're thinking, yeah, <coughs> I want what you said, Mike, but I don't know what to do next. Here's what you do. You go back to your hometown. You find a church, not any church. You find a church that preaches the scriptures every week, that focuses on the scriptures and then points you to Jesus over and over again. Okay, listen, for some of you who are still trying to figure it out, and I wanna challenge you and I want you to think through this. But some of you need to stop hating religion more than you love Jesus. Love him more than you hate religion. I don't love religion either, to be honest with you. But I love Jesus with all my heart. 
follow him, trust him. Last thing, and that is this. The Bible says that when somebody takes that step and says, you know, I'm gonna take a first step toward Jesus. I'm gonna repent of my sins. I'm gonna move in a different direction. I choose a different direction. All of heaven rejoices with that. So I would love to rejoice with you. Can we do that right now?